right, good morning, High Desert Word Center. How is everybody on this wonderful October Sunday morning? Amen. Who is glad to be in the house of the Lord together today? Amen. All right, hey. Well, half of the church is in line to register their kids, so praise God. There's, <laughs> But they'll get through that line and you'll be patient. Lots of kids, man, and that's what we love. Love seeing these guys growing up in the house of the Lord. That is beautiful. Well, we're going to go ahead and open up this morning. Uh, by uh, We're going to pray over Israel, number one, and then we're also going to be speaking some words of faith over the United States. So can we stand up together this morning? Praise the Lord. Amen. Uh, you know, obviously we've got a lot going on in our world and uh, especially with Israel at the moment. And we know with certainty that the scripture tells us to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And uh, we are to be on Israel's side, no doubt about that. So we want to be faithful to pray for them. And we'll be discussing some things more in depth during the sermon today. So I pray that you are uh, wide awake and ready to learn a little bit. All right. But let's go ahead. We're going to pray over Israel. And then we're going to speak some words of faith over the United States of America. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we lift up Israel to you this morning. And Lord, we understand there is a lot going on over there. And we understand that we don't know or understand everything that's taking place. But Lord, we do know this much. We are commanded in Psalm 122 to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And so, Lord, we are going to obey your word. And so we pray this morning for peace in Jerusalem. And Lord, we pray for victory for your people in Jesus' mighty name. Name. And Lord, we don't exactly know everything that's coming next, but we do know that you are on the throne and you are almighty. And so we trust you. And I pray that we will have our hearts right with you, Lord, and that the people in Israel would have their hearts right with you as well. We thank you, Jesus, for victory in your name. We love you and praise you in Jesus name. Can someone say amen? All right, let's go ahead and we're going to speak some words of faith over the United States of America today. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and in unity. We confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord some praise today. Yeah. All right. We're going to take a few minutes here to do a little meet and greet time. So go find somebody. Give them a high five, fist bump, handshake. Give them a hug, amen. Make sure everybody feels the love today. Let's go.
Oh, oh. 
love each other. If you are not in line for for children's registration, maybe you could make your way to a seat. In youth group, we do a countdown. We tell you to find your rear and find a seat, and then we count down from 10. That's what we do. But maybe that's not so appropriate with you adults, huh? I don't see I don't a problem know. with it personally. Yeah, I think it would go quite well. I think it would go quite, quite well. A um, couple of things for you. Harvest Fest stuff is in full swing. Yeah. You know how, yes. You know how we know we're getting close? Because Mr. Coleman's trailer is parked out That's here. It, yeah. So yeah. it's like, it's a coming. Okay, so a couple of things going on. Um, there still is the Harvest Fest table in front of the bookstore. If you would like to volunteer at Harvest Fest um, to work a game or the hot dogs or the popcorn or any part of that, make sure that you sign up so that we can get you information and get you trained so that all the legal end of stuff is all correctly cared for. Um, because one thing that we like to do here is make sure that we're serving in excellence and you know what we need you to know and how to handle things on the property here. So we just want to make sure everybody's trained and uh, the Wednesday before Harvest Fest, we'll have a training and as well as that Tuesday. So we'll get in contact with you from the sign-up sheet if you are looking to volunteer. There are all kinds of things to still sign up for. Hot dogs and buns. Hot dogs and buns. We need them both. Need them both because that's, we give that away for free and then usually they have tacos for sale as well. Um, So I'm going to start hot dogs on this side and cake on this side. So our cake walk, we skipped it for a couple of years um, and then we we brought it back and we have it in memory of Phil and Debbie Gomez, which is so, so special to our hearts. So Phil and Debbie worked it for a number of years. Um, and just made it really, really special. And so we have it back and have a beautiful banner in their memory. So make sure that you sign up for that so we have plenty of cakes to give away. Um, They are also selling Billy's Breakfast Burritos. This is quite the flyer, friends. The BBBs, Breakfast Burritos. We talked last week about if you show up to church um, on, what is that, the 18th? No, it's not the 18th. Whatever the next Sunday is, um, these breakfast burritos, you'll be able to smell them, and then you'll feel sad that you didn't get one. So sign up at the uh, Harvest Fest table for breakfast burritos. You have until Wednesday to finish that sign up. And servant leadership is this Thursday. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. So... If you are interested in being a part of what we're doing behind the scenes or serving in some different areas, because we talk about children's a lot and we love our children's ministry and we love nursery, but there's a lot of stuff to do around here. There's plenty of things and God placed you here for a reason and for a purpose, not by accident. And so whatever skills and abilities he put in you, there's a reason for that here. And we would love to uh, use that and love to connect you. So if you would like to serve or get to know more about serving, or if you are interested in serving more this Thursday at seven, yes, I was right. Yay. (laughs) This Thursday at seven o'clock, this font is smaller than this font, you know, anyway. So seven o'clock this Thursday in Victory Hall. 
And then Saturday, next Saturday is the parade, the oh, city yeah. parade. Yeah. Normally, we do Harvest Fest on Friday, then we clean up Saturday morning, take a deep breath, and then go to the parade. Yeah. But we did different weekends this year. So you know what that means is we just expect more of you to be there. Yeah. It'll be great. So kind of just family tradition, you know, you get stuck in some things like there's certain people in your family that make the certain dish the best, and so you just let them make it. You know, like Miss P makes the best brownies, so she just makes the brownies. Anyway, we have this thing that we just do. We sit in front of Wiener Schnitzel because yep. um, <laughs> it's just the spot. So, anyway, if you want to join any of us, we'll be out in front of Wiener Schnitzel. Yep. Um, and it's a first come, first serve. So, if you beat us there, you get our seat. It's just the way it goes. Um, however, there are lots of lots of lots of our church family in the parade this year. Tons of youth are in the band and in color guard, as well as the burrito bros. Whoa. Where are they? <laughs> they have their own float. They have their own float. Okay, in case you don't know, this is Alex Church. Alex Church was, is one of the OG youth students here. We yes. got to be a part of raising him up to be a successful young man yeah. and part of his success in life has been a YouTube channel that we initially all giggled at but no one's laughing now Amen. <laughs> no one's laughing now so they have a whole flow in the parade and they will be there as well so our goal is to sit in front of Wiener Schnitzel and be really really proud of all of our church family yes. and yell ridiculously loud it'll be great there you go. and we can hand out flyers for harvest fest because it's the weekend before yeah it'll be great and then we'll get lots of people saved it'll be fun okay then we have a business lunch coming yes. up the bcma uh, the barstow christian ministerial association all the pastors in town are throwing a business lunch for christian business owners yes. so if you own a small business or you know someone who owns a business Please make sure to take a flyer from the info booth and register so that we can make sure and feed you. It is a free tri-tip lunch. Yeah. Just saying. It'll be really good. I'll be there. Um, Enriched, the food pantry from Midtown, uh, has brought the blessing bags. So last week, we talked about the Enriched, the food pantry, having bags that we as a church family could go out and as we're going to lunch or driving home, that we could bless someone and pray with them. Those bags are available at the info booth. They're completely free to you. We just ask that you go and you give the love of God to someone with that bag Amen. and pray with them. So go. make sure that you snatch one on your way out. They're white bags and they're on this side of the information booth. Uh, we still need candy. Candy. Uh oh, wait. Uh, wait. Whoa. Wait. What's this? Wait. Not about the candy. Oh. About enriched. Oh, okay. So the update on Enrich, the food pantry. We'll talk about candy in a minute because Summer's not heckling me yet this morning. The food Get pantry um, enriched is looking for donations of ramen, uh, tuna and chicken salad kits, the mini cans of Vienna sausage, uh, the mini cans of pork and beans, and then uh, Pop-Tarts, fruit cups, jello or pudding cups. So shelf-stable items that they are able to put in those blessing bags. You can bring it here and then we'll deliver it to them there as well. And we'll be getting more information on how we can keep connecting with that and supporting that 
if you would like to volunteer to unload the USDA trucks or to be a part of packing those bags, there is a sign-up sheet at the information booth, and you can sign up there, and we'll get a text message out to you to help connect you with those dates and times. I'm not going to go long on the candy. Here's what I'll tell you. I think I'm winning. Oh. Not me, the youth ministry. But thank you, family, for being a part of that. We do still need more candy because even though we try to do a 1,000 candy bags, we usually do about 1,500. And so we're able not only to make sure that every kid at Harvest Fest gets one, but then we also send them up to trick-or-treating at Diamond. So... You may be dressed like a demon, but you're getting Jesus, you know? It's a thing. So we make sure to have lots and lots of candy. So whether it's for me, and I'm not going to throw a fit this morning, or if it's for the children's ministry because you love summer or your small children better, it's fine. It's fine. We'll take it. If you are with us for the very first time or the first time in a long time, can you wave at me? Can you wave at me? We have some great families here today. Tim's mama is here and Kenai's whole family is here with us today. We're so glad that you're with us. And if you would fill out this information at the info, if you bring it to the info booth after service, we have a gift for you that also comes with free coffee. Awesome. Amen. Hey, free coffee. We could use that. All right. Praise God. Well, we're going to go ahead and do our Sunday morning tithes and offerings. And so what do we call that around here? Happy time, amen. God loves a cheerful giver. And so we decided, hey, if God loves that, then we're going to be that, amen. And so we're going to do our Sunday morning tithes and offerings. It's also Mission Sunday today, where we uh, take up the other offering for our missionaries all over the world. And so make sure you're aware of that. And pastor's going to give us the offering this morning and give us an update on our missionaries, Dana and Liz Nile. Amen. Everybody awake? Do anybody, does anybody know what time it is? It's happy time, but do you know what time it is in the spiritual arena? It's the end times. We're at the end of the end. Pastor Dave's going to be talking about some of that in a little bit. But I want you to open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 24, verse 14. Verse 14, and, and make sure you hold up your hand if you need an envelope for your tithes, offerings, for your missions. And uh, glory to God, I am glad to be living in the days we're living in. And how, how many how many here have read the book of Acts? <clears throat> Do you know how excited it was for the apostles the day they saw Jesus go up? It says they were all gathered at the Mount of Olives, and they saw Jesus go up. And then an angel appeared and said, this same Jesus is going to come just like he went. You're going to see him come down. Well, guess what? That generation saw him go up, our generation is going to see him come down. This is the time we live in. And I'm thinking about, I'm going to read this verse in just a second, but I'm thinking about our <clears throat> confession over America we just did. Part of that confession we're believing over America is that America is taking the gospel to the world. Amen. Did you notice that? We said that a while ago. America is taking the gospel to the world. And look at this verse 14 here, and I'll, I'll tell you why. It says, and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto, excuse me, all nations, and then shall the end come. And then shall the end come. This is Jesus telling about the end of the church age. And, you know, not, not to go preaching on end times, but the Bible teaches very plainly 
there's going to come a time that the time we live in changes in the spiritual arena and they're going to enter into what's called the great tribulation christians are going to be taken out of here there's going to be some really really hard times and there's going to come a point in time that jesus comes back and everything is going to be ruled and reigned from right here on earth he's going to move heaven down to earth i mean that's just bible that's going to happen but the time we're living in it doesn't make any difference what people think is what jesus says and jesus said then shall the end come so if jesus said there's going to be an end there's going to be an end and so he said right here that the last sign that we'll see he said when the gospel has been preached in all the world to all nations well the gospel has been preached in all world to all nations yet you know how i know because we're still here things are still going on and so uh, if you study Matthew 24 a little bit before that, I'll just say this. Some of the signs that he told in the few, previous few verses right before this, he said Christians and Jews will be ungodly hated by a lot of people. Has anybody noticed that sign come in the past? Two of the most endangered species on earth in the eyes of the world are Christians and Jews. Why is that? Because we identify with Jesus. We identify with God through covenants he made with us, and Satan hates that. So that's one of the signs. Then he also said, 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 there's going to be many offenses. He said, everybody's going to get offended at everything. Do you know that you've got to be careful what you talk about on your workplace, what you post on social media? Social media. You know why? That's Bible prophecy. People are going to be offended at nothing and at everything. But Jesus said, when the gospel's preached to all the world, then shall the end come. And so in this verse right here, he's telling us what to look for. And so I, I, want, to, I want to look at our support of world missions because we're fulfilling Bible prophecy when we support world missions because Jesus said this has got to take place. And so we're a part of that. And that's why we love to support world missions because Jesus said it's the plan of God. And we want to be in on that. And so for Liz and Dana Nile, and I think most of you, a lot of you, we've got a lot of new people, have experienced them a lot of times. We have supported Liz and Dana Nile when we were pastors in Indiana for, for really about 30 years. We've been partners with them in ministry and doing what they're doing all over the world. And they're probably less than 10 years younger than Mrs. Pastor and I, so you know, they're kind of getting up there a little bit. But they go to more places and do more things than anybody I've ever seen before in the missions world. I want to give you a little update on what's going on with them right now. Right now, they're in Nepal, and they're going to eight cities in Nepal. And Nepal is basically a Muslim country for, for the most part, and it's, it's really a dangerous place to be. But they lived there for, I think, about 10 years, raised their kids there for a while, lived there for a while. And so they're really very, very risky people but they know they're following the plan of god so they're in nepal right now and they're doing three leadership seminars and already they've seen 300 people baptized in the holy ghost they've seen a lot of salvations and think about liz and dana i was thinking about as i look at the things i'm going to tell you they're not just people that go to one church and minister to a handful of people where they go to cities god has such a door open to them now they have multiple churches multiple people from hundreds of miles around walking riding bicycles motorbikes 
donkeys, whatever they get to to get to where they're coming. So they have a lot of pastors from a lot of places come, and they have a great impact on what they're doing. And so they've got two more churches to go to yet, plus three more seminars. And then when they leave there, they're going to the Philippines. And when they go to the Philippines, they're going to six cities in many places. And they're not just doing, they're not just doing a, a church service. They're doing conferences. But Filipino pastors come from a lot of places doing a lot of things. And, and, and they did just get back from Peru. And we know that uh, I've been to Peru with them. And, and so in Peru, they did several conferences in Peru up and, up and down the Amazon River. And so they're going to be in the Philippines for a couple of weeks. And then from there, they're going to Vietnam. And in Vietnam, uh, they've got to be very careful because Vietnam is still fully communist as against the law to preach the gospel in Vietnam. It's against the law for Christians to gather in Vietnam. And so they, they, they said, make sure that nobody puts on social media what we're doing because they get people killed. And so they're going to Vietnam after that. And then after Vietnam, they're going to a new place they've never been yet on an exploratory uh, mission trip. They're going to Indonesia. And they said in Indonesia, there's 275 million people. 275 million people, 88% Muslim, 10% Christian, and 2% Hindu. And what they're going there for right now, they're going to meet with a Filipino pastor they're friends with to see if God has an open door there, and they want to start some video Bible schools in Indonesia. And what I see in all this is what Jesus said, that this gospel will be preached in all the world for a witness that Jesus lives. And so for me, with the things going on right now with Israel, all I know is I pray in the Spirit for Israel, what's going on there, because there's so many different ways you can pray with your head, and you might, you might pray something right, you might not pray something right, because that is so unreal. But if we pray in the Spirit for Israel, pray in the Spirit for what's going on there, then we'll be praying the right prayer and praying what God wants us to pray. But how many here are stirred just a little bit about the times we live in, recognize this is not business as usual. Amen. This could very well, this could very well be right at, right at the door before things close up. And so we as Christians, you go ahead and stand up. Go ahead and stand up. And, and we're going to listen to Pastor David a little bit. And I just pray that we have teachable spirits and tender hearts and listen to what the Holy Spirit says to us about the times we live in because it's very real it's very Bible, it's very God, and we get to be a part of it. Amen? Amen. Well, let's make our financial faith confession, bring our, bring our tithes, offerings, missions, offerings up to the front as we, as we finish our confession. And I do, do encourage you, stay up here at the altar and worship with us when you bring this up here and just jump into the flow. But let's make this financial faith confession together. As we bring the Lord's tithe today, we believe we receive jobs, our better jobs, promotions, raising bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritance, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, being all my financial needs, so I have more than enough to take and care of my family, to give gifts to the kingdom of God, promote the gospel, of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen.
worthy. He makes promises and he sticks to them, right? That's somebody we can trust. We don't have to doubt, right? I know that a lot of us are going through things in our lives right now. I know the world is scary when you turn on the news, right? They want to just hit us with that. I know the end times even scares Christians. It shouldn't. But there's a fear that the enemy tries to put on us, right? But when you know the promise of God, when you know that you're protected, when you know that you're his, that no evil shall come near your dwelling, that you're protected from the fiery arrows, right? That he is consistently surrounding you with his angels, that he's got your back. Nothing can come against you. That's a unique perspective to be able to stand on in this day and age, right? Because every time I turn around, somebody else is worried about something. Somebody else is scared of something. And they don't understand when I go, hey, God's got it. We're covered, right? They don't understand when I go, don't speak that. Stand on what the word says. This church understands that, right? We understand that we serve a good God who is always on time, who never lets us fail, who is always protecting us, his promises. We have to grab onto the fact that if he said it, it's true, right? You can't look at the mountain and go, oh, it's too big. It's never going anywhere. No, our God said, tell the mountain to move and it's gonna move, okay? So there is something about these songs, guys. These are not just words on a page. These aren't just chords that are being played up here. This is a cry of our hearts. It has to be in our spirit to understand our God is a God of promise. Our God is not a liar. If he said it, it's true. If he said it's going to happen, it's going to happen. If he said you're protected, you're protected. If he said he's going to see your family out of whatever it's going through, your family is going to come out of whatever it's going through. Your kids are going to be saved. Your finances are going to be blessed. Stand on the promise. Stand on the covenant. He never fails. Never fails. And that's not just for us. Go out and scream it off your rooftops. Go out and tell the people you're working with. Go out and tell your family how good God is, how faithful God is. Tell them your testimonies of time and time and time again of how God has seen you through, how he has healed you, how he has restored you, how he has brought whatever you needed at that exact moment. Those testimonies are powerful. They matter. They change lives, not just your lives, but those that are hearing it. Tell people about the promise.
And so you got to know right now that your faith better be in Jesus. It better not be in your money. It better not be in your friendships or your whatever, your politics. Your faith better be in Jesus. That is the only thing. That is the only thing that can anchor you right now. Amen. And so many other things that we try to anchor us, to center us, to keep us in place, they flat out, they don't work. They do not work. Jesus is the only answer and the only hope for anybody in this entire world. And we may say amen. We may say we know that, but we better not just know it. We better do it. Amen. We better obey the word that we know, or there could be some tough times ahead. And so uh, I just want us to lift our hands one more time this morning. And uh, we're going we're gonna to pray and we're going to get into the word in just a minute. Father, in Jesus' name, we love you so much. Jesus, thank you for coming to this earth. Thank you for leaving the, the glory and the, and the just magnitude of heaven, Lord, everything that you left behind to come down here and become one of us so you could save us, Lord. We thank you because there's no way we deserved it. It's by your grace and by your love and by your never-ending mercy that you took the cross, you took death on for us. And because of that, Lord, we don't have to be afraid. We can be confident that we are going to heaven when it's our time, Lord. But in Jesus' name, we just wanna thank you and ask you that you would have your way today. I pray that the word of God would have free course, that we would have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying, that we would have hearts that are soft to receive the seed of the word of God. And Lord, I pray you open our eyes today and help us to change for your glory because we flat out, we don't want to stay the same. We want to change for you. We love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Can we give him some praise this morning? Amen. The Lord is good. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, you can make your way to your seats today. Praise God. Well, we're already having a good time. uh, Summer pretty much preached the sermon there, so that was cool. Amen. (laughs) Amen. Hey, let's hear it for an on fire for God lady that knows how to preach. Amen. I'm good with that. Hey, we're going to go ahead and be getting into the word today. You know that we've been in a series um, for the last few weeks uh, called Son of None. We've been talking about Joshua. Well, I hope you've been enjoying that because we're not doing that today. So here's the deal. Uh, Wednesday, I was getting ready to, for the Wednesday night service, and I, I wrote this, this came to me. It's a, it's a mixture of things that, that we've gone over before, really, but, but uh, I really wanted to preach this Wednesday night, and my boss says, no, do it Sunday morning. And, you know, you know who knows you should obey the boss. 
right? If you want to keep your job, especially if your boss is God Almighty, you know, then you, it's a really good idea to obey the boss. So uh, anyway, we did something different Wednesday night and had a fun time with that. But tonight, uh, we or today, excuse me, we are going to be talking about uh, some serious things that Jesus said. And I want to look at a few things. Um, if you need an outline for the sermon, raise your hand. The ushers will get one to you. The title today is this. It's called, Don't Let Him Find You Sleeping. Don't let him find you sleeping. And uh, that's not something clever that one of us came up with. Those are literal words of Jesus that we're going to be looking at in a few minutes. Um, But first of all, to kind of, I'm going to do a little bit of an intro here. And this may be a a little bit of a different type of a a sermon than what we normally do. We're going to do some teaching today, a little bit of preaching, and we're going to be going a little bit deep. Uh, So do I have any receivers that could go deep for me today? Yeah, come on, you're out there. Yeah, so we're going to go a little bit deep. But uh, there's some serious things going on in this world that, uh, you know, hey, you can stick your hand in the head in the sand and just pretend like nothing's going on, or you can get real and uh, be excited that potentially Jesus is coming very soon. So um, I'll st- let me just start off with my intro here. But I don't claim to be an expert on end times theology, we would call it eschatology, though I am not afraid to talk about it. In fact, since 2020, I think we've done three series on eschatology or end times teaching. But over the past week, I've been flooded with questions. I mean, everyone's hitting me up on Facebook and on, you know, emailing me. And just like every other pastor in the America or the world is getting, people are saying, what does this mean? What is going on? And, you know, I, again, I don't, I'm not going to stand here and say, I know exactly what's happening. I know exactly what's happening next. But I do know this much. I purchased a Bible a while back. Well, I've had it for a long time, but amen. I opened it up and I've read some things. Who in here, you've opened up the book and you've read a little bit of it, amen? And so we know that the answers are in there and there's some things that we're gonna look at today. So, you know, everybody is asking, is this the final thing before it's all over? Well, I will say this much. I'll say with certainty that nobody can say, with certainty, (laughs) amen, that this is the very final straw, or nobody can say with certainty when Jesus is coming back. You know that, right? No man knows the day or the hour, but we do know the season and some of the times uh, that the Bible talks about. And so uh, I do believe, okay, I do believe that this could possibly be the precursor to a battle the Bible calls the battle of Gog and Magog. And that would definitely uh, be leading us to the rapture happening very quickly. And so again, maybe some of these, we're going to use some terms that maybe I've never heard of that. What in the world is that? Well, we're going to try to break this down the best that we can. But again, I'm telling you, we're going a little bit deeper today because there's some serious things because these are serious times. So Ezekiel 38, go ahead and you can start turning to Ezekiel 38 this morning. I can't remember if I put that on your outline, but Ezekiel 38 prophesies that a battle will take place in Israel called the Battle of Gog and Magog. And uh, in this prophecy, Gog seems to be a 
person or, or a leader, right, a, a president or a leader of some kind, and Magog is uh, his country or a country. And so that's what we're going to be looking at for a few minutes today. And I know you read the book of Ezekiel probably every morning, don't you, with your, with your coffee, amen? Well, if you can't find it, it's on page 802, so just flip over there, amen? And you found it, Dennis? <laughs> amen. So, uh, but in this prophecy, uh, what we see here is Gog and Magog, they team up with some other countries to attack the nation of Israel. And it tells us in, the, in Ezekiel 38, in a couple of verses, that Magog is a power to the distant north of Israel. And anybody, you know, any uh, end times teacher I would follow after, or even, you know, from what I can tell, that would certainly mean Russia. <laughs> because if you look to the distant north of Israel, you, uh, there's Russia. And Daniel 11 also talks about that there will be the king of the north will attack Israel. And so certainly the only superpower up above them would be Russia. But I'm going to look here at a few verses. I'm not going to read the entire chapter for the sake of time, but I've just uh, grabbed a few verses out of here that I want you to look at today. Then we're going to get into some stuff. And again, I'm just, I'm, this is not one of those days where we're probably going to be running around doing cartwheels, shouting amen. But I love those days, but I want you to listen today because sometimes you got to receive some teaching so you know, because uh, the book of Hosea says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. And there's no way in the world that we should be destroyed for a lack of knowledge. We should know some things out of the Bible. Amen. And so let's look at Ezekiel 38. And I'm going to, first of all, read verses three through five. And this is the Lord telling the prophet Ezekiel to deliver a message uh, to Gog. And so it says, Give him this message from the sovereign Lord. Gog, I am your enemy. Well, I thought God didn't have any enemies. Oh, he's got some enemies, and we're looking at one right here. Verse 4, I will turn you around and put hooks in your jaws to lead you out with your whole army, your horses and charioteers and full armor and a great horde armed with shields and swords. Well, broken down into modern day English, we're probably looking at tanks and Humvees and helicopters and, and rifles and, and other weapons. Look at this, verse 5, Persia. Ethiopia and Libya will join you too with all their weapons. And we look at that and we're like, well, what does that mean? Well, here's something very key. Uh, Persia, okay, modern day Persia is none other than the country of Iran. Has anybody heard the name Iran mentioned in the news over the past couple of weeks? All right. And so it's already been proven. They've already, people have already admitted it. And, and Hamas and all these guys have already said the quiet part out loud that Iran is giving them money and funding uh, the attack on Israel. And in a, well, I don't want to get into that, but a slightly scary part is the United States just kind of gave Iran $6 billion. So <laughs> that's not good, uh, but let's keep going. Uh, so it's telling us here that this king to the distant north is uh, going to at one point invade Israel. And they're going to team up with what was then known as Persia, but we would say modern day Iran, Ethiopia, and Libya. And some of these, na there's other nations mentioned in here. And these nations are mainly in the uh, modern day country of Turkey. And even Turkey this week came out and said, uh, kind of, they, they aren't going to war, but they're like, you know, they were picking sides and it wasn't Israel's side. So that's something interesting to know. Um, but 
if you've kind of paid any attention to world events over the last couple of years, who is Iran's big buddy that they just get along with so well? It's Russia. And Russia doesn't have a ton of friends because when you're a bully and you're mean, you know, people tend to not want to hang out with you and be your friend. But they do have uh, at least one good friend, and it is the nation of Iran. And so isn't it interesting that thousands of years ago, God said what a lot of the pieces to the puzzle would be in the end times. And lo and behold, 2023, these exact nations, coincidentally, are all palling up and getting along. And we know what's going on in Israel right now. So it's not a stretch of the imagination in any way at all, not at all a stretch of the imagination to think about that Iran and Russia and some of these other countries could very well team up because they're friends already. This is not a stretch. Let's look here at verses 8 and 9. Verses 8 and 9. He says, a long time from now. Well, I would say since this was written, it's probably been a long time, right? A few thousand years. A long time from now, you will be called into action. In the distant future, you will swoop down on the land of Israel, which will be enjoying peace after recovering from war and after its people have returned from many lands to the mountains of Israel. You and all your allies, a vast and awesome army, will roll down on them like a storm and cover the land like a cloud. And so what does all this mean? Well, let's break this down for just a minute here. This is exactly where we find the land of Israel right now. And so it may sound like a long time ago to some of our millennial brains and some of our Gen Z brains in here, but Israel, they didn't occupy that land again until 1948. And in the grand scheme of things, that's 75 years. They went nearly 2,000 years where they were scattered. They did not possess their own land. Well, after World War II, uh, it all worked out where the U.S. and Great Britain and anyway, go read some history. But they all worked it out where Israel could return to their own land, which had been called Palestine, uh, which is the the, uh, the Romans gave it that name as kind of a rub in the face uh, to the people of Israel. It was a... It was a variation of Philistines. And so it was kind of a smack in the face to the Hebrew people to call their own land Palestine, Philistine land for all those years. Because if you know the Bible, hey, they didn't get along with the Philistines too well, <laughs> David and Goliath, right? And so for all these years, thousands of years, centuries, they were scattered all over the world. And then in 1948, exactly 75 years ago, they were able to come back to their own land. That is not that long ago at all, people. And so none of the Bible prophecies that we read, all the things that we've talked about for the end times, listen, Israel had to be back on their home turf before any of it could happen. And guess what? They're back. They've been, they've been gathered back from all of the lands they were scattered to, to their own place. And for longer than this, but for the past 75 years, evil people have said, you can't have it. It's not yours, blah, blah, blah. But God, all the way back, Genesis 15, write it down, Genesis 15, God made a covenant, basically a contract with Abraham and said, this plot of land right here, I'm giving to you, Abraham, and to your children, your descendants, this belongs to you forever. 
And so somebody could say, well, where's the deed to their land? It's in Genesis 15. God signed it. Amen. It belongs to them. And we've had people. And if you look at the Middle East, all of the land. All right, let's just get real that the nation of Islam, that Muslims own. I think I saw the other day, they own 300 times as much land as Israel has. Yet they all want this little tiny piece of land when they've got all the land they could ever need for anything. They all want this piece. Why? Because God said it would happen. Okay. And so that's what we're looking at here. But this fact of Israel becoming a nation again, taking over their own uh, real estate for the first time in a couple thousand years, I would say it's, I mean, you know, someone could debate me. That's fine. But I don't know everything. But I would say that's just about the biggest thing that's happened in the world since Jesus resurrected. Honestly, it's so big that they have their own land back now. All right. But let's look at verses 18 through 20 really quick here. Verses 18 through 20. And here's what God says next. He says, but this is what the sovereign Lord says. When Gog invades the land of Israel, my fury will boil over. I thought God didn't get mad. He is rich in love. He is very slow to anger. But when he reaches the anger point, look out, right? (laughs) And so he says, when this happens, I'm going to be ticked off. He's like, it's going to boil over. And so uh, verse 19, in my jealousy and blazing anger, I promise. Uh Uh-oh. We want to talk about the promises of God. We love them. Here's a promise from God. I promise a mighty shaking in the land of Israel on that day. All living things, the fish in the sea, the birds of the sky, the animals of the field, the small animals that scurry along the ground, and all the people on earth will quake in terror at my presence. Mountains will be thrown down, cliffs will crumble, walls will fall to the earth. Isn't that a beautiful verse? I don't I'm not, I probably wouldn't use the word beautiful. I would say that it's true, but that is, I mean, that's some wild stuff right there. And so let's just, let, let, let's say this. It seems that this invasion of, of, of Israel that we're talking about in Ezekiel 38, that's what I'm talking about. It seems like this battle of Gog and Magog will either happen right before the rapture or right after the rapture takes place and all of us are taken to heaven. And this would begin, I believe, the seven-year tribulation. And, uh, and, and the New Testament, it tells us that the tribulation is literally the wrath of God being poured out on the earth. And that's a really good reason why if you're a true Christian, okay, not a faker, not a half-baked, not a wannabe, if you really are born again and living for Jesus... We will be raptured. I believe it because the scripture tells us you were not appointed unto wrath. Amen. And there's a lot of other reasons I believe this, but I believe that when God pours out his wrath, his children are going to be taken to heaven. But the people that are here on earth for this tribulation period, it is not going to be a pleasant time whatsoever. I I mean... Not at all. It, it, it's going to be anything that you see now happening is just going to look like, you know, a, a Disney movie. It, it's going to be real bad after the Christians are taken out of this earth. Why? Well, I don't want to get into all that. I'm going to get, you know, I'm going to get distracted here. But 
First Thessalonians tells us that this man called the Antichrist is going to come onto the scene. And that's exactly what's going to happen towards the beginning of the tribulation period. Because everybody's going to be searching for answers. And we had answers and they didn't like us and they didn't want to listen to us. But guess what? We're gone now. Right? And so somebody is going to have some sort of answers for them. And so I believe there's going to be a man called the Antichrist that rolls up on the scene and is like, guys, everything's crazy. If everybody would listen to me, I've got some answers. And I believe people are going to listen to him. And he's going to come up with some sort of a peace treaty between Israel and all of their enemies. But about halfway through this tribulation period, his true colors are going to come out and he will be revealed as the most horrific person ever in the history of the world. And it's going to get super nasty that last half of that seven year period. All right. Again, this is not the normal thing we talk about on a Sunday morning. Uh, you know, I'd really, I'd rather be, you know, woo, telling you that you're good enough, smart enough and doggone it. People like you, but I believe that we got to get some real truth because everybody is searching for answers right now. So what about all this that's going on right now? Well, I believe it is possible that what we're seeing right now in Israel this week is the setup of all the things that are going to take place. I am not guaranteeing anything or saying anything in concrete. I am not saying Jesus is coming back next week, though he could. I have no idea. I'm just saying this much, that what we're seeing right now could be a precursor to some of these things we just read about. And I will say this, this could be extremely serious. And I know, I, you know, I know this much. This is not the time to be casual with your faith, to be playing around with sin, to be taking God half-heartedly. It's never a good time for that. But when you see all the red flags being waved in front of you and the Bible said it was going to be like this and now it's actually happening... Now's the time to be very, very serious about the Lord. And I say that because I love people. Amen. There's nothing. I just say that. I've prayed about it all week. I want to have a right heart before God. And I can't go home uh, today. I can't, you know, lay down tonight after church with a clear conscience if I felt like I saw impending danger and I saw lukewarm Christians and I didn't say anything because I didn't want to hurt anybody's feelings. It's very, very serious right now that we need to be awake. And so, uh, number one, let's get into this. All right. Number one, it's not the time to fall asleep. It is not the time to fall asleep during this sermon or spiritually. Amen. <laughs> hey, every, most of you do good. I catch some of you every now and then kind of dozing off, but it's okay. I love you. I love you. So, uh, Mark chapter 13, let's go there. Mark 13. Who, who's ready? Mark 13. And this is Jesus talking. And my dad earlier read out of uh, Matthew 24. And so Matthew 24, Mark 13, and the book of Luke also, I think it's chapter 17, I may be wrong. But they all three contain what we call the Olivet Discourse, where Jesus was walking with the disciples one day. And, and he's like, hey, look at the temple here. And they're like, isn't it great? He says, yeah, it's going to be torn down, not one stone on top of the other. And they all were like, what? 
well, this is crazy. Tell us when will the end of the world come? And then Jesus goes in to this whole long thing about signs that you will see at the end of the world. And so uh, we're going to look here at Mark 13, though, verse 36. I'm going to skip down to the end of this. Mark 13 and verse 36. And so he just gave a whole list of signs that you could look for, most of which we've already seen or we are currently seeing this very week. So Jesus says in Mark 13, verse 36, don't let him find you sleeping when he arrives without warning. I say to you what I say to everyone, watch for him, watch for him. And so Jesus found the idea that many Christians would be asleep to be such a threat that he repeatedly warned us against it. And, and I mean, He found this to be a very real threat, a very real possibility that Christians would be asleep spiritually right when all this starts boiling over and he comes back and, and, and and we were just oblivious. We, we were asleep. We weren't paying any attention at all. God forbid that that would be a single one of us. We need to be awake. We need to be ready. We need to be alert for what's going on in this world right now. And so I'm going to dig a little bit deeper into this warning from Jesus today. And I think it would also help us to look at this from the angle of you and I being soldiers in God's army. Okay. I know we got some United States soldiers and Marines and everything in here today, but we're going to look at this through the eyes of us being in the army of God. Who's in the Lord's army? Amen. Remember that song from the eighties we used to sing? No, come on. Okay. Summer, you know, you're okay. Thank you. So, uh, you're in the Lord's army and, and it's a real thing. It's not fake. It's a real thing. And it's important that we're paying attention. So let's look at some facts about falling asleep. Let's look at some fun facts about falling asleep. All right. The first one is this, and, and it may sound like we're naturally talking. We're talking about spiritually, especially number one, when you're asleep, you're oblivious to what's going on around you. When you're asleep, you are oblivious to what's going on around you. I know when I'm asleep, I've got no idea what's taking place. I mean, my kids could be repainting the house and I wouldn't know uh, because I'm asleep. Sometimes I'll wake up in the morning and my whole bedroom looks completely different. The dresser was over here last night and today it's over here and everything's different. Why? Because my wife thought it would be great to reorganize the entire room uh, while I was sleeping. And it's, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. But I had no idea. I was oblivious because I was asleep. And sometimes, you know, there's some real serious things going on in the world. And we're like, hey, when did that happen? What? Well, you were asleep. You were asleep. You had no idea. You were asleep. And the whole thing was being rearranged and set up for Jesus to come again. But you had no idea because you were asleep. And so it's a serious thing. And so, yeah, I was there. I was present when the room was being rearranged, but I was oblivious. And there's some people that wear the name Christian on their sleeve right now. They are present. They're technically here, but they're oblivious to what's going on. Why? Because they are asleep in the middle of it all. And Jesus said, do not let the son of man find you sleeping when he returns. Number two, another fun fact about 
when you're asleep. Again, we're looking through the eyes of, of being in the Lord's army, but you're vulnerable to attack. You are vulnerable to an attack. And so I know that the military, the army takes this very, very seriously uh, because your chances of, uh, uh, of successfully attacking a powerful foe are much greater if they're already asleep. I would dare say if, you know, if I had a baseball bat and some super strong guy was asleep, my chances would improve greatly. I know that shocks some of you because I'm such a specimen of muscle, but the truth is there's probably a lot of like, like day day. I couldn't take him down, you know, unless he was asleep. All right. He's a big dude. And so there's just no way, but I would have a chance if he was already asleep. And so listen, a lot of Christians, they are just out of it. And I was, I read this article from the New York times, uh, from September the 10th, 1861. Does anybody remember that edition, the 1861? Amen. And so I found this article though, about a soldier that fell asleep on his watch duty. And apparently that was not good. So here's the actual article I'm reading. It says, Found guilty at court-martial, General McClellan confirmed the finding and the sentence, and Private William Scott of the 3rd Vermont Volunteers would have received a volley of bullets from his comrades. Whoa! They're going to kill him for falling asleep. (laughs) As a tragic, terrible vindication of military discipline, had not the presidential pardon saved him. And so 1861, good old honest Abe heard about this. Abraham Lincoln gave Private Scott a presidential pardon or else they were going to stand him in front of a wall and let his comrades fill him with a volley of bullets, apparently. Why? Because the military knows if we're counting on you to be awake and watching for an enemy attack and you fall asleep, listen, You could have just cost a whole lot of people their lives. Why does Jesus think it's so serious for you to be awake and alert right now? Why? Well, as a Christian, I need to be prepared for me. But I know this much that if I'm a strong Christian, I need to be alert and awake to help other people. It's a really big deal. If your commander in chief, if your boss said, hey, this is your job. Just stand here with this rifle. Whatever you do, stay awake. Who knows that I would do whatever it took. I would pound down energy drinks. I'd smack myself. I'd put ice down my shirt. I would do whatever because the boss man said, whatever you do, don't fall asleep. It's a really big deal. And that's what Jesus said to us. Do not let me find you sleeping when I come back. So I would say, whatever it takes to keep me awake and from drifting off into sin, I'll do it. If I've got to bash my TV and throw it out of my house so I don't sin with it anymore, praise God, whatever it takes, stay awake. It's a really big deal. Not because I think it's a big deal, but because Jesus says it's a big deal. And so here's the next one, all right? Facts about falling asleep. You put others' lives in jeopardy. And that's what we just said. You put other people's lives in jeopardy. And so parents, I know we've got a lot of parents in here uh, because, well, I know most of you and Children's Church has like 100 kids in it today. So there's a lot of you here, apparently, all right? And so... 
your kids' lives. Listen, spiritually and physically, but our kids' lives are in our hands. This is so important. Most of the time, they're going to follow your spiritual lead. And I just think it's, it's vital that we take parenting very seriously. I'm going to share, I wasn't going to share this, but I was reading the news yesterday. I've kind of been keeping up on it. This headline caught my attention. So it said, here's what happened. An Israeli father, they confirmed to him yesterday that we found your eight-year-old daughter dead. And he dropped to his knees and said, thank God. And everyone was like, what? And, and here's what he said. He's like, I knew at this point she either had to be dead or Hamas had taken her and the other kids from the slumber party that they were at. She was at a, a friend's house. The other girls were gone too. They had been taken into Gaza. And he knew if his daughter was there, she was having bad things happen to her, right? And, and, and he's like, the better option is that she would be dead and not have to face what those monsters and those evil men would be doing to her right now. And he's like, she's in heaven. Thank God. I would rather hear that. Imagine being a parent. Okay. We can judge that statement any way you want to judge it, whatever. Maybe you wouldn't say that, but I know this much. What a bad spot to be in that. The only option is either she's dead or she's being mm, from a bunch of evil, evil men torturing her until they do kill her. What a bad spot, right? And so, listen, we're going to hear more of these things. And it's going to get a whole lot worse when the restraining force, the body of Christ, the light of the world, the salt of the earth is raptured out. It's going to get so much worse. And so, I speak to parents. I speak to grandparents. Come on, man. Get serious about your faith. Quit, 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 quit being so lackadaisical about it. Quit, quit being a lukewarm Christian. Get real with Jesus. This ain't the time to be playing games anymore. This is serious stuff. And so I've heard it said that if you see God and church as optional, your kids will see him as unnecessary. And I know I sound like an old religious preacher from the 1950s. Whatever. I've made peace with that. You can call me religious. You can call me whatever you want to call me. But guess what? As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Amen. Amen. We're going to be in church <laughs> three times a week. Uh, we are. I'm, and there's just no way around that. Uh, uh, we're, we're going to be in the Bible. Every day. We're going to be praying every day. Well, that sounds controlling. And if you force it upon them, then blah, 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 blah. Okay, fine. Do it your way. I was forced. I mean, we had five church services a week. Sometimes six. I'm, I'm dead serious. We had two Wednesday services, two Sunday morning services, and a Sunday night service. And I was forced to go to all of them. And guess what? I love church. I love it. I don't feel forced into it. I, I, yeah, I've got friends that got to experience wild parties and doing all these things. And well, if you force it on them, they'll miss out. Okay, fine. I can see a lot of their lives now. Believe me, I didn't miss out on much. <laughs> and that may sound mean. That may sound like you're being judgmental. I don't care, man. Listen to me. I am good with it. I'm good with it. And so I'm just challenging you as parents. We need to step it up. Amen. We gotta take this thing serious. Well, yeah, but, but you know, you don't wanna take it too serious on the kids and, and blah, 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 and you just need to wait. Well, here's the issue. If we wait 
to instill faith into them. Hold on. The devil is not going to wait to get his swing at them. Amen. He's not waiting. He'll come at them at one year old. He'll come at them earlier than that. He, he's not waiting. And so I cannot wait. I've got to get them this foundation of faith right now. It cannot wait. It is so serious. Here's the next one. Number four. You're unprepared for what could happen in an instant. You're unprepared for what could happen in an instant. Who in here, you've just, you've woken up late for work or whatever, and you fly out of bed like it's Home Alone 1, and, and like, oh my goodness, you know, the alarm clocks didn't go off. Anybody? And you're totally unprepared? Well, I was thinking of a story. You know, this is my most embarrassing story. I've only shared it once ever in a sermon or in publicly, but I'm going to share it today for the sake of illustration. So one morning, I think it was around 2014 or 15, I woke up somehow. I, I don't know. I must have slept in and I wake up to the most horrendous sound that the father of the home could wake up to. I heard the trash truck out at the curb. I didn't take the trash out the night before. The kids were little guys, you know, so I'm not going to, I could blame them, but I'm not going to. They were little. And so, man, I ran out there, shorts, no shirt, hair all over the place. And I remember my trash guy told me, hey, if we ever miss you, just take it up to the neighbor's house or across the street and we'll get it. And so I'm in a daze, like in a fog, and I'm pushing it out there in my shorts, no shirt, and and I just push right up next to the truck, and out of nowhere, the next thing I know, boom! What happened? I didn't realize my neighbor's trash can was the one being lifted up in the air right there. The man slammed my neighbor's trash can on my head. Dude, woo! That, he rang my bell, brother. He scrambled my eggs. He mashed my taters. He, he got me. He got me. I'm telling you. And, and, and he, he comes running out of the truck. What happened? What are you doing, man? Why are you? And I knew, I, I knew my trash can at that, my trash man at that house. And he's like, what are you doing, bro? And I'm like, you said to put it over there. Dude. Oh. Dude, that hurts so bad. I mean, I've seen it on the WWF where they hit you with a trash can, but when a hydraulic powered boom hits you, but here's the thing. Do I have any right to blame the trash man? Not, no, I don't think I do. Uh, could I blame my wife and children? Could I blame the preacher? Could I blame the neighbor? No, I had to take the blame myself because I don't ever know exactly what time he's going to come. I know about the time frame. All I know is they say, be ready. We'll be there sometime Wednesday morning. Right? And if I'm unprepared, I'm probably going to pay the consequences. And so Jesus says, you don't know exactly when I'm coming, but it's going to be when you kind of start to see all these things happen. So just be ready. So he's going to come. There's going to be Christians asleep. There's going to be Christians probably doing things they shouldn't be doing. And they're going to say, whoa, hey, that's not fair. That's not fair. And he's going to say, hey, it's fair. I told you what to look for. I told you to be ready. I gave you warning. This is not my fault. You should have been ready. So when we're asleep, when we're not supposed to be, we get caught off guard. Look at Revelation 3, 10 through 11. This may not be on your outline. Revelation 3, 10 through 11. And so here's something that Jesus told us. Revelation 3, verses 10 through 11. Are you still with me today? Okay. Revelation 3. 
10 through 11. And so when we were talking about lukewarm, we were talking about Jesus' letter to the church of Laodicea. This is his uh, letter to the church of Philadelphia. Not West Philadelphia, where you were born and raised. I'm talking about uh, Philadelphia uh, in the ancient Roman Empire. Okay, So here we are, Revelation 3, 10 through 11. The Lord says to the church of Philadelphia, Because you have obeyed my command to persevere. I will protect you from the great time of testing that will come upon the whole world to test those who belong to this world. I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take away your crown. Hold on to what you have. And so Jesus tells us if we will obey his command, if we will persevere, he will protect us from the time of great testing that's going to come upon this world. And so I know this much. I don't belong to this world. I belong to Jesus. Amen. Amen. I belong to Jesus. I am in this world, but I am not of this world. I am naturally a United States citizen and I love that. But even deeper and more important than that, I am a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. And so you need to establish that in your heart right now. Let's look at the last one here. Number five, when you're asleep, you may say crazy things that are obviously wrong, but at the time they make sense to you. (laughs) Amen. Have you ever come across somebody sleep talking? How many of you sleep talk? Come on, spill it. All right, let's go. Amen. So I can, I don't know, let's just talk about, she's going to appreciate this. So my wife sleep talks, right? And uh, it's been a fun part of our marriage for a very long time now. But a lot of you know that early, oh gosh, uh, years ago, I thought, you know what? Why should I keep this treasure to myself when I can share it with the world? And so I, I started videotaping my wife sleep talking. And I was young. I didn't know any better. But somehow I made a YouTube account and uploaded it to YouTube for the world to see. And, uh, <laughs> and you know, so it was great. And I don't know how, but it got several hundred thousand views. And this was like 2007, 2008, something like that. But, you know, it's good now. She appreciated it. Uh, she's gotten a couple of royalty checks off of it. So she's happy now. Right? You look happy, honey. You look very happy right now. Amen. So I've been married a long time. I can tell when she's happy. She's happy right now. And this is great. That's that look. She has that look on her face. So this is good. This is good for me. But, you know, when someone's sleep talking, you know, they're saying things that maybe they're picturing in their mind or whatever. And to them, it makes perfect sense. But to anybody else watching, they are obviously not with the program. And so I hear Christians right now. In 2023, saying really stupid things, stupid things that anybody that's awake spiritually is like, what are they talking about? What? What? People say things like, man, I don't need to go to church, brother. We are the church, brother. Amen. Oh, wait. Listen, that's stupid. That's a dumb thing to say when the scripture tells us in Hebrews 10, 25, amen, to not forsake the assembling of the saints. Jesus said where two or more are gathered in my name, I am right there in the midst of them. So I hear people say really dumb things like that and think that they sound really deep spiritually. But even my children hear people say dumb things like that. And they're like, 
what's that guy talking about, Dad? We were in Food for Less one day, and and uh, some guy said that to me, and Joel was like five, and uh, and we walked off, and, and Joel was like, Daddy, was he being serious? Did he really mean that? And I'm like, we'll talk about it some other time. <laughs> what do I tell the kid? Like, he knew how dumb that sounded. But there's Christians saying really stupid things, and we can look at them and say, what's wrong with them? They are asleep. And Jesus is coming back. And he said, don't let me find you sleeping. Be awake and be ready. In fact, Matthew 24, 24 says that in the end, even the very elect, even the people of God, if possible, will be, be deceived themselves. And there's deceived people right now. Well, I'm going to go into this, my, my last part of this whole thing. We're going to look at, I believe, one final Bible story here. And this is called the parable of the ten bridesmaids. Or in your King James Bible, it's say the parable of the ten virgins. So the parable of the ten bridesmaids. And throughout the New Testament, Jesus uses the illustration of a wedding to demonstrate his relationship to the church. And so let's look at Matthew 25. Matthew 25. And this is such a, I mean, perfect story that Jesus told for where we are today. Matthew 25. Amen. Who wants to be ready when Jesus comes? Even if you didn't raise your hand, I'm going to tell you, you want to be ready. You want to be ready. So Matthew 25, verses 1 through 13. I'm going to read the whole story. Matthew 25, verses 1 through 13. And this is right after Matthew 24, where Jesus just gave the whole end times uh, teaching about what, what happened at the end of the world. And so... Matthew 25, verses 1 through 13, it says, Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The five who were foolish didn't take enough olive oil for their lamps. But the other five were wise enough to take along extra oil. When the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, they were roused by the shout, Look, the bridegroom is coming. Come out and meet him. All the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. Then the five foolish ones asked the others, Please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. But the others replied, Well, we don't have enough for all of us. Go to a shop, go to the store, and buy some for yourselves. So that's what they did. And it says, but while they were gone to buy oil, that's when the bridegroom came. Then those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was locked. Later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, believe me. I don't know you. So you too must keep watch for you do not know the day or hour of my return. What a story. And so in the New Testament, as I said, 
the church as a whole is referred to as the bride of Christ, right? Even the dudes, all right? We're the bride of Christ and Jesus, amen, is the groom or the bridegroom. And to understand this story, I'm not going to break all that down, but but you got to kind of understand the Jewish wedding ceremony. It, it wasn't just a, you know, a quick half hour ceremony, then it was over. This was years in the making. And so these two, you know, the bride and groom had probably been promised to each other since they were, you know, teenagers or a little bit younger. And so it was years in the making and, and, and they didn't know the exact time and hour that the groom was going to show up with all of his groomsmen and all of the bros to come in and, and, and whisk her off of her feet. They, they just knew about, you know, when it was going to happen. And, and, and so it was going to be a surprise and he would come and, and take his bride and they would go have the wedding. Then they'd go to a great big feast and it was going to be awesome. And, and so that's what Jesus is comparing all of this to, but they didn't know the exact hour. And so sometimes there could be a delay. And during the delay in this particular wedding, they all fell asleep, Right waiting on the groom to return for the bride. And so here all of us are, we're ready, man. We want him to come back. I would be great if he came back right now. If he came back yesterday, believe me, I am ready for heaven and I cannot wait to get there. But there's a delay. And so what happens when there's a delay? Well, people start falling asleep. People start wandering off and going to places they shouldn't go. And so in this story, only half of the bridesmaids were ready. What if, I'm not saying this is the case, but what if only half of people that profess to be Christians are actually ready? I don't know. But, but I'm going to look at a few takeaways from this story really quick. A few takeaways. The first one is this. They all had the same opportunity. Out of that list of ten, all ten of them had the exact same opportunity. And so, you know, we're always taught and told that, you know, if we don't all get the exact same outcome, that it's just because things weren't fair. Well, in this case, this was fair. They were all invited. They all had uh, a lamp. They all had, you know, a light source that they were responsible for keeping filled, that they, it was their responsibility. They were given all the goods. So it was fair. And it's the same for every Christian in this world right now. You've been invited to what the book of Revelation calls the marriage supper of the Lamb. You have been invited. And you have a lamp. Well, what's my lamp? Well, Psalm 119 verse 105 says, God's word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You've got the lamp, brother. You've got the light, sister. You've got the invitation to the feast, to the wedding. But you're responsible for keeping yourself ready. Number two is this, a few takeaways from the story. Apparently you can't borrow somebody else's fire. You're responsible for being lit up and on fire for Jesus yourself. That's the truth. You can't say, yeah, well, I'm related to Dennis. He's on fire for God. I'll just kind of piggyback on his faith, brother. I'll just, you know, my granny, my grandma, she was always a woman of God. Oh, you know, so I believe that her faith and prayers are just going to cover me and get me to heaven. Thank God for your praying grandma. Thank God for Dennis. Thank God for 
all the wonderful Christians you know, but apparently you aren't allowed to just borrow their flame and do nothing at all to keep your light lit for Jesus. You have to have a personal relationship with Jesus. You have to choose who you're going to serve. I cannot go to heaven. My dad's a pastor. My kids have a dad that's a pastor. They can't get to heaven because I was a preacher. They're going to have to, at some point, choose to receive Jesus for themselves. And we've said it before. There are, God has no grandchildren, only children, only sons and daughters. Nobody's going to be in heaven. And someone say, Hey, when did you call the name of the Lord? And, and I say, well, when I was 16 years old, I did. When did you call? Well, I never did, but my grandma did back in the forties. And so that's why I'm here right now. Mm-mm, no, God has sons and daughters. Amen. And you have to make a decision for Jesus yourself. And you can't borrow everybody else's faith. You can't borrow everybody else's fire for God. You're going to have to get some for yourself. Number three, you can't be lazy. You can't be lazy. Verse 10 says, while they were gone to buy more oil at the store, that's when the groom came. So apparently, listen, they knew right where the store was that whole time. They just procrastinated. They knew clearly where the store was because they just hustled right over there. Oh, he's coming. Hang on. I'll just go right to the store because I know where it's at and buy some oil. And then when I'm ready, then you can come back. Listen, God's not working on your schedule. We're going off of his schedule. Do you know that today? They could have at any point gone and gotten more oil. Their game plan the entire time was to procrastinate until the last minute. And let me tell you right now, there are a lot of people. That's their whole game plan. They procrastinate on everything. They procrastinate on, I know I want to get, I want to get, I want to fully commit to Jesus, but I just want to have a little more fun first. I just want to do a little bit of this. I just want to wait until things really look serious. Uh oh. So you're the one that he appears in the sky and you say, wait, give me another minute. He's like, no man, no. I gave you all the time. I gave you warning. I told you what it was going to be like. You should have been ready. And what does he say? At that point, when you're banging on the door, but you, you, it's already too late, he says, depart from me. I don't know you. Jesus wouldn't say something like that. According to the Bible, there's going to, yeah, that's going to happen at some point. And so one last verse, I told you that I had the last one, but I mean it this time. I really mean it this time. Last verse, First Thessalonians chapter 4, First Thessalonians 4. We're going to look at verses 16 through 18. 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 16 through 18. And so, do not procrastinate on your decision with Jesus. Don't put it off to a better day. There will never be a better day than this day right now. I promise you that. There will never be a better time to give your life to Jesus than today. And so, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and I'm going to look at verses 16 through 18. 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 16 
through 18. And Thessalonians, First and Second Thessalonians, great books. They talk a lot about the rapture uh, because the church at Thessalonica had some questions, some misunderstandings. And so Paul sat down and wrote them some letters to explain it. And if you read them, it'll probably answer a lot of questions you have. First Thessalonians 4, looking at verse 16, it says, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout. And so listen, someday, and I believe it's soon, you as a Christian are going to hear a commanding shout. And then with the trumpet call of God, first the believers who have died will rise from their graves. Check that out. That is going to freak some people out, brother. That is going to be a scene. We're going to hear this shout. We're going to hear this trumpet. The dead in Christ shall rise first. Verse 17. Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And then we will be with the Lord forever. Come on. Come on. So encourage one another with these words. And so I'm going to kind of try to wrap things up here the best that I can. Because I know I just, I don't know, I just, we just had some sort of an explosion of all sorts of stuff up here. But I want to, I want to tell you this. Listen. There is a lot taking place right now. I'm not going to stand here and say, I guarantee you by this time next Saturday, we will be in there. Nobody knows that. But it certainly looks like a lot of pieces are continuing to come together. And the final, final pieces are being put into place. Where, yeah, we're going to see a massive invasion of Israel from the north. It's going to happen. Ezekiel 38 told us. Daniel chapter 11 told us. It's going to happen. And as this happens, there will be this battle of Gog and Magog, right? Where they all team up to come at God's chosen place. These people, the the Israelites. And when this happens, listen, this is either going to happen right before we're raptured or right after. But a lot of super horrendous things will happen in this world. The good news is we don't have to be around for it. We don't have to be. We can choose to be. And someone's like, well, how would I choose to be around for that? You would choose to be around for that by not choosing to live for Jesus right now. Well, I don't want to make a choice. Then you've made your choice. Joshua 24, 15 says, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. You've got to make a choice. You have to make a choice. Everybody wants to procrastinate. This is one of those things. You can't be indecisive. You've got to make a choice. And then some people would say, yeah, but if I choose, then I'm going to have to stop doing this and I'm going to have to let go of this. And listen, some preachers will say, no, you don't. You just hang on to all that. Just say this little prayer. And if you want to hear that, find a different church. I'm not going to tell you that. Because Jesus said, amen. He said, If you want to be my disciple, you are going to have to take up your cross and follow me. Broad is the way. 
that leads to destruction. Narrow is the way that leads to life. And few there be that ever find it. And so I wish I could, but I cannot. I cannot lie to you and say that you just repeat this prayer, then keep going on living like a dope and quit, keep being crazy and being filled with rage and, and cheating and lying and cursing and being racist and all these things. Listen, I can't tell you that because it would be a lie. When we live for Jesus, there are things that we get rid of. There are things that we leave behind us. There's a sacrifice. I've given up some things, man. Yeah, you have too. I'll bet you have given up some things that maybe you wanted because God had something better. And I can tell you this much right now. There is no thing in this world worth risking heaven over. Nothing. Can we stand up together this morning? Amen. I really pray that you received the word today. I've been praying over this for days. I've been praying over this, man, because I knew that God was trying to get a hold of some people today. Because if I'm going to be flat out, and I'll just say it, I've got church members here that I don't believe they're ready for Jesus to come back. If I'm going to be 100% transparent, I believe most of you are, but I believe that there's some that they aren't ready. And if Jesus came back right now, man, oh my goodness, I don't know. I don't, I just don't know. And so I want to lead us in a prayer today. And we do this every week, but my goodness, it's so serious right now. I want to lead us in a prayer together today. And so at this point, there's no way that when you stand before God, you can say, it's not fair. No one ever told me. I never had a chance. We had a chance. So I'm going to lead us in a prayer. Listen, we're going to pray this. If you're here and God's tugging on your heart, and I know God is tugging on some hearts today. And Revelation 3 said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If you'll open up, I'll come in, man. I will straight come into your life and change it. God's knocking on some doors today. You do not have to open up, but you can. You can choose that. And so if you're here and maybe you've never really given your life to Jesus, hey, we can take care of that right now. Or maybe you're here and you had at some point, you were raised in the church, you you did at some point, but if you were being honest, you kind of walked away a little bit. We're not here to judge that. We are here to build the bridge to get you back in right standing with God because it has never been more serious in your lifetime than it is right now. And I don't try to scare people. I just try to be serious when it's time to be serious. And so we're going to pray a prayer together today. And this could be your day to have that assurance that you've got things right with Jesus. You don't have to go to bed tonight afraid of, oh my gosh, what if this happens? What if that happens? You can go to bed like so many of us do and say, that may happen, but it's okay because I know where I'm going. Amen. Can we pray together? Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. Say this with me, please. Father, in Jesus' name, I believe in your son, Jesus. I believe that he died. That he rose again. That he rose again. Jesus, Jesus. Forgive me forgive for anything wrong I've done. Anything wrong I've done. I, promise I promise to live for you. To live for you. My life is yours. Give me the strength. Give me the strength. To live for you. Live for you. To leave the past behind. Leave the past behind. In Jesus' name. Amen. Can we give him some praise today? Amen. 
Check it out. Jose, come on up. This is Jose. And uh, listen, we have a program called Spiritual Personal Trainer, SPT, where if you are just now getting things where they need to be with God, maybe you're returning to the Lord. Maybe this is your first time. Maybe you've been a lukewarm Christian, okay? It is what it is. Maybe you have been. If that's the case, I would like for you to come over here in just a minute and Jose will connect you with another on fire for God church member here that will be your personal spiritual mentor for the next 30 days. They're going to text you a devotion that we've written every day, uh, some Bible verses. They're going to pray for you. If you want to talk, you can talk, okay? But they're going to be there for you to help you get on the right path over the next 30 days. Listen, my sons came home from an event last night. Dad, we got a free two weeks at, at Noble Fitness at the gym. We got a personal trainer for two weeks and they were so excited. I'm like, that's great. I'm thrilled for them. That is good news. I'm happy. But what's even better news is if somebody just gave their life to Jesus and they'll take advantage of 30 days of mentorship from a spiritual leader. Come on. And so if that's you and maybe you're here like, well, I would, but I've been at this church for a while and that would be embarrassing if I had to admit that I'm not perfect and I don't have it all together. Well, I'd a whole lot rather shoot my pride down right now in October of 2023 than have to say, you know what, Jesus, my pride meant more to me than doing the right thing. So, you know, take that. Let's not do that. Amen. Can I have my prayer team come on up today? If you're here and you need prayer for anything at all, anything. We've got a team of people here that are willing and able to pray for you, to stand in the gap, to intercede with you. And while they're getting prayer, if you're here and you want that spiritual personal trainer, listen, be bold. Go see Jose. Amen. Don't be like that. Be bold. Go see Jose. Get him your information and we're going to pair you up with somebody and get you absolutely where you need to be spiritually for the return of Jesus. Amen. And so Pastor Josh is going to lead us in a little worship. If you need prayer, come on up. Let's go. I put my faith in Jesus. My anchor to the ground My hope and firm foundation He'll never let me down I put my faith in Jesus My anchor to the ground My hope and firm foundation He'll never let me down I put my faith in Jesus My anchor to the ground My hope and firm foundation He'll never let me down No, He'll never Rising 
sun to the setting same I will praise your name great is your faithfulness to me great is your faithfulness Unto the setting, sing, I will praise your name. Great is your faithfulness to me. I put my faith in Jesus, my anchor to the ground, my hope and He'll never let me down I put my faith in Jesus My anchor to the ground My hope and firm foundation He'll never let me down No, He'll never let me down Sun to the setting, same I will praise your name. Great is your faithfulness to me. I put my faith in Jesus, my anchor to the ground. My hope and firm foundation He'll never let me down I put my faith in Jesus My anchor to the ground My hope and firm foundation He'll never let me down No, he'll never let me down. Great is your faithfulness to me. Great is your faithfulness to me. From the rising sun to the setting, same I will praise your name. Great is your faithfulness to me. Great is your faithfulness to me. 
Great is your faithfulness to me. From the rising sun to the setting same, I will praise your name. Great is your faithfulness to me. I put my faith in Jesus, my anchor to the ground. My hope and firm foundation, He'll never let me down. I put my faith in Jesus, my anchor to the ground. My hope and firm foundation, He'll never let me down. No, He'll never let me down. Great is Your faithfulness to me. Great is Your faithfulness to me from the rising sun to the setting same i will praise your name great is your faithfulness to me great is your faithfulness to me hallelujah amen sorry for the extra fireworks there but that's pretty cool huh did you hear that anyway (laughs) praise god did anybody receive from god's word today did the lord speak to anybody this morning amen Well, I knew the Lord was really trying to get uh, get some truth across to us today. So I encourage you to, uh, you know, we say it so often we talk about these things. These things were written to us not to scare us, but to prepare us. And so you make sure that you're prepared in your life and in your family for whatever happens next in this world. Amen. And when we've got Jesus, we don't have to be afraid. Amen. I'm going to close us out in prayer today. And then we'll do our Barstow Faith Confession. If you were with us for the first time, Heather's back there at the info booth. She's got a gift card for you to Dutch Brothers and some stuff. So see her and she wants to get that to you. And also we've got those blessing bags back there from our Midtown Chapel uh, location where you could take those out today, hand it to somebody. It's got a meal in it. It's got lunch for them. You can hand it to somebody on the street and pray with them about Jesus. Amen. All right, let's go ahead and we're going to close out in prayer. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you, Lord, for what we've seen in the word of God today. And Lord, we know your word is true. And God, we know that these things that were written, these things that were prophesied that are just taking place all around us, it's undeniable, Lord. The red flags and the signs that we're seeing, Jesus, help us to take our faith serious. And Lord, I thank you that 
when you come back, we're not going to be asleep. We're going to be wide awake and alert and ready for your kingdom. We love you. We praise you. Use us to be the light of the world this week and to be the love of God everywhere we go. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name. Can somebody say amen? Amen. All right. Let's go. We're going to speak some words of faith over Barstow, and then you can be dismissed. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, everybody. Have a great afternoon.